If not, there are some on the ends of the tables or on the back table should have one that says week five. And as you recall, last week we kind of combined chapters four and six because they were short. And so now this week we're doing chapter five of the book, Habits of Grace by David Mathis. And so we've looked at a variety of topics so far, reading or taking in God's Word, meditating on God's Word, uh, applying God's Word, resolving to keep learning God's Word all throughout our lives. And we're going to sort of jump back a little bit and talk about the subject of memorization, which ties in well with the idea of meditation, and we'll see how in a moment. He starts out in the chapter, Perhaps you've heard the pitch for Scripture memory a hundred times. You're persuaded the benefits would be incalculable, and there may be no better use of your time than to hide God's Word in your heart and store it away for future use. But you've tried your hand at it again and again and just never got the magic working. Maybe the thought of memorizing Scripture brings back some sentiment you can't shake from doing rote memorization in grade school. Or eventually you've thrown up your hands and blamed your failures on a bad memory. You know it would be wonderful to have a store of Scripture treasured up or an arsenal of weapons stockpiled for the Spirit's use. But if it is all oriented on saving up for some uncertain future time and has little to do with today, you likely don't feel much urgency about it. And then he skips down a little bit and says, What if Scripture memory really is about today? At least for a minute, forget decades from now, Throw aside the litany of daily reviews of previously memorized texts. Abandon the mentality of building the store and stocking the pile, at least as the driving motivation. Instead, focus on the present. Scripture memory at its best is about feeding your soul today and mapping your life and mind onto the very life and mind of God. He says it's easy enough to put this off when every day already seems to have enough trouble of its own. Perhaps it would be helpful to apply this line from the Lord's Prayer to Bible memorization, Give us this day our daily bread. And obviously, it's important to recall that when we're memorizing Scripture, we're not just, um, you know, we're not just learning a poem. When I was in high school, we had to learn, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but the poem starts out, the Assyrian came down like a wolf on the fold, his host all gleaming in purple and gold, you know that poem? And it talks about um, the Assyrian armies coming against the children of Israel and how God overwhelms them and, and takes care of their attack and uh, wipes them out and sends them back in defeat. Or another one that we had to memorize was the one about where there's the famous line, ours is not to question why, ours is but to do, then die, the one about Ford, the light brigade. Memorizing is hard. It's hard for English class. It's hard in general. My friend didn't want to memorize it, so he came up with this elaborate act of how he was riding in on the horse, and the horse was shy and didn't want to come into the English classroom. And the basic gist of it was he did that to distract from the fact that he really didn't know the poem that he was supposed to have memorized. Clever, creative, not really the point. So when we look at what it is that we're doing, we shouldn't see it as dry, dusty literature, something that we have to do to improve our minds, something that we have to do because other people are making us do it, but something that we should want to do because we are learning more about God himself and building a relationship with God. Just like we talked about the idea of reading God's word, not just 
to see facts and Bible trivia and all those sorts of things, but because we're getting to know a person, the same thing applies to Bible memory. He says, good theology forms our minds in a general way to think God's thoughts after him, but memorized scripture molds our minds with as much specificity as is humanly possible to mimic the folds and creases in the mind of God. Theology gets us to the ballpark, memorized scripture into the clubhouse. So Bible memory prepares us not only for the someday maybes when we might use a memorized verse in counseling or witnessing or fighting sin, but it contributes powerfully in the present to make us the kind of person who walks in the Spirit today. If you think to what it says in Psalm 119, I've treasured your word in my heart so I wouldn't sin against you, sometimes we think about that's like get ready for way down the road. But that's about transforming who we are right now because it's not as though we sort of bring the verse out. We're in the moment of temptation. We bring the verse out, and just because we quote the verse, Satan goes away. Think about Jesus' temptation. Jesus quoted the verse, and what did Satan keep doing? He kept tempting him. So merely quoting the verse does not immediately make the temptation go away. It reminds us of what we're supposed to be and do and hopefully already becoming and doing. It reminds us of the fact that it is God's help. It reminds us of the fact that God's word is sufficient and can help us. But it's not as though it's a magic spell we cite and then everything is all better immediately. And so along those lines, uh, it's helpful to see the relevance of scripture memory to the present moment, that it's transforming our hearts and minds. And we talked about uh, the idea of meditation. And the goal of this, the very act of memorizing Scripture, as we understand and engage with the meaning of the text, changes our minds in the present to make us the sort of people who discern what is the will of God, according to Romans 12, too. We have to... Sometimes memorization is disconnected from meditation. And that's part of what makes it tedious, and that's part of what sometimes ends up us misusing the scripture because we haven't thought about what the scripture really means. It's one thing to memorize a verse because somebody makes you do it, but if you think about the meaning of the verse, it will both help you to remember the specific phrases and make it more useful that you have learned that verse. Theoretically, a five-year-old can memorize Einstein's formula, right? E equals mc squared. Can he explain it? No, nope, we might not be able to either, but that's beside the point. You can memorize things without getting them, but they don't do you a great deal of good. And so that's why meditation is important, and we see these things as a progression. He says, when we pursue Scripture memory with meditation, we're not just short storing up for transformation later, but enjoying food for our soul today and experiencing transformation now. Also, if we see meditation as being closely connected with memorization, it helps us to slow down. We memorize faster if we're not really thinking about what we're memorizing. Sometimes. It depends on the person. But mere memorization does us little good. Meditation does us much good. This also refocuses our souls with the, with the business of the day. 
mingling meditation and memorization helps us obey Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things that are above. And then he says, as we not only read and study the scriptures, but understand them and then meditate on and memorize them, we increasingly have the mind of Christ as we are conformed to his image. And so, I suppose I'm curious, uh, have you ever thought about it in this way before? That there's a link between meditating on God's Word and memorizing God's Word? Or do we tend to see those as two separate things? Any thoughts? Okay. He said they work hand in hand. Anything else? Yes. I didn't see it on your notes, so I'm going to say one of the things that he said in the chapter was memorizing the verses by heart is secondary, memorizing it to your heart is primary. So I think a lot of times, you know, if any of us went to Awana or worked in Awana or whatever, you know, the kids would memorize too hard, or by hard, but definitely not too hard, like you're saying, not understanding it. So I think that's where meditation is that, in a sense, that transition of one to the other. Sure. Memorizing it by heart, memorizing it to your heart, and then allowing that to be our daily bread. Sure, sure, good. Does our motivation affect the usefulness of Scripture that we have memorized? In what ways? Okay. Sure. Good. What else? I think part of the point he's making in this chapter is that it's not, when we talk about this as being part of knowing God, um, 
sometimes we want to memorize verses because we want answers to questions in sort of an abstract kind of way. And when someone is full of heartbreak and next to you and you're talking with them, they don't just need a philosophical answer to a question that happens to be true because it's from the Bible. They need you to introduce them and point them to God who is really what the Bible is about. And that might seem to be the same thing at first glance, but, but there's a difference between I can answer things like in an encyclopedia versus here, come have a conversation with my grandpa and he'll, he'll talk to you about these things that he knows from experience. I'm not saying God is your grandpa. I'm just saying there's a relationship there that's different from the relationship you just have with a book on your coffee table. So hopefully, hopefully that makes sense. Um, just to illustrate, I think, the, the point that Bob and some others have touched on, when I was in high school, we were studying James one year. I went to Christian school for a few years. And um, my goal during the school retreat was to get all of the book of James down so that I could quote it, so I could be like, I finished the book before the end of the school retreat. Not really the best motivation. The ironic or the interesting thing is that God's Word can change us even though we're not necessarily expecting it or even if we go about it in the wrong way. Like, I can learn something for the wrong reasons. I can learn verses in Awana or a kid's program on Wednesday nights out of pride. Same thing for learning, uh, you know, a book of the Bible so I can say, hey, I know this book of the Bible, look at me. But God can then use His Word, which is inside us, to work on us and so memorizing God's Word, whether we have done it for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, can still have this same effect in transforming our hearts and lives. And so that's an encouraging thing, too. So uh, if, you, if you feel like you memorized those verses for the wrong reasons long ago, you don't have to forget them. They're still useful and helpful, and, and, and God can, can work in your life with them. On page 71, he says this. We are doing this, just generally, he's talking about this idea that we're doing this in connection with other believers. And so what impact does memorizing God's Word have on the way that we interact with, fellowship with, or are benefited by interacting with other Christians? There is this idea that we are having unity and humility alongside other Christians. And what does scripture memory have to do with that? When we are striving to have our minds conform to the mind of Christ, and we say that that's not going to happen unless I know God's Word, and so I seek to learn God's Word, it is helpful, and he says, few things cultivate humility of mind, like submitting our minds to the words of God by memorizing them. And so this is another interesting thing that I hadn't really thought about until I started reading through this, that it's not just something we're doing by ourselves. And when I say not by ourselves, I'm not just saying the whole church is on the same scripture memory program. Because the challenge of that is people memorize at different speeds and, and what method works well for one person may be a real struggle and burden for someone else. That's not so much what I'm focusing on. But the fact that all of us are learning God's word together means that instead of being focused on here's the thing that I want, here's the idea that I have, all of those sorts of things, 
God's Word is shaping and changing us so that we are more humble and we are more unified around the common things that we believe in Christ. And so that's both the reality, because it says in 1 Corinthians 12, you've been baptized by one spirit into one body and so forth, but it's also a, a, a something that's progressively developing in us, and part of what helps to accomplish that is learning and knowing God's Word. So, how do you do it? How do you do it? Before we get into what his recommendations are, what are some things that you have found helpful or unhelpful personally with regard to memorizing scripture? Jonathan. Okay, writing it down. What else? Okay, saying it out loud. Okay. Okay. Uh, along those lines, do you find that you typically memorize individual verses or larger passages? Okay. What are, and I'm not criticizing that, what are advantages or disadvantages of memorizing individual verses versus, say, a five to seven verse chunk of verses? Okay, context can be important. What else? So let's think about that in connection with a passage like John 3.16. So we have John 3.16. God so loved. I'm familiar with it. What are the things that are going on in that passage? Okay, right. So that's sort of, you know, the why of what God is doing. What does Jesus say to Nicodemus earlier in the passage? Okay, so we've got this idea of being born again. And that whole discussion. What's toward the end of the passage? I think that's a little bit later in Matthew. Uh, but there is, it does talk about judgment. What does it say? John 3.36. Okay. So sometimes what has happened along the point of memorizing individual verses, sometimes what has happened is, like in Sunday school or whatever, we've learned a verse like this, and we sort of walk away with it with a warm, fuzzy feeling, God so loved me, which is not untrue. I mean, God loves his people. God has compassion on everyone in the entire world. But the context is, you need to believe 
here's how God made it possible, here's what happens if you don't. And so if we memorize verses in isolation, we may misunderstand them. And if we see this as a process in the, as part of the process of meditation and moving from hearing God's Word to having it transform our lives, we need to make sure that we're not misusing God's Word. So can you memorize an individual verse? Yes. I'm not saying don't memorize individual verses. What I am saying is, if you memorize an individual verse, there's some work that goes into understanding the context of it, and it's perhaps worth considering at times, would it be good to memorize a section of verses so that I can remember that context and have it in my mind? Um, I'm not going to go through the entirety of the list, but toward the end of the chapter, pages 75 to 81, he has a list of important passages to know. For example, um, 10 Gospel verses. The Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve to give His life a ransom for many. God showed His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. All of those sorts of things. And so along those lines, what can happen is you can either get a sense of what God is doing in Scripture by the immediate context of the verse that you are memorizing or by setting it alongside other Scripture passages that are talking about the same thing. Either one can serve to give us a complete picture of the meaning of what it is that God's trying to convey because God's not going to say thing something in one place that contradicts what he's saying in other places, and so we can either look in the immediate context or in the whole Bible context by looking at passages about the same sorts of things. Just something that I think is helpful to think through. What other uh, observations have you made about Scripture memorization in your own experience? What are some challenges? What are some helps? What are some... yes? Okay. So, I don't know if there's, there's probably not one way to do it, but whether it's keeping a list digitally or physically to continue to review, I think that's essential yeah. for long-term sure. effect. Okay. What else? Yes. Okay. So we have to set aside some time when we can have some quiet. For most of us, it's hard to do with a lot of background noise. Yes, Evan? Sure. Mm -hmm. Good. Here's an interesting thing along those lines that I thought that was surprising to me when I read it. He said... When the focus is more on feeding and shaping, then, co then constant review is less important. Once memorized, now forgotten texts aren't a tragedy, but an opportunity to meditate again freshly and mold your mind even more. Do you agree? Do you disagree? He's saying it's not, a, he's not, it's not always a bad thing that you learned a Bible verse and can't recite it now. Why, why would that be, or, or, or how would you agree to disagree with that? Okay. Okay. What else? I memorized probably 50 verses in the King James when I was in Awana and, you know, forgot half of them at least. Right. And so now trying to memorize all of them from the 
Sure. Meditate on it a little bit more. Sure. To regain the understanding. Okay. So if memorization is something that is helping us in a specific moment, what's different about that moment and this moment, potentially? Your focus. Your circumstances are probably different, right? Which is not to say we don't need all of God's Word all of the time, but there may be specific parts of God's Word that are particularly helpful to us at a particular moment, and we memorize them at that point, and now we're in a different spot and we need a different aspect of Scripture to help us and to encourage us. I think that's kind of the point that he's trying to make. Not like memorize it and forget it because it's easy to cram verses if you have a good short-term memory. I've observed this with the wanna kid thing. If you have a good short-term memory, you can cram it, you can say it, and then next week you don't know what it is. I don't think that's so much as focus. Like you really learn it but maybe five or ten years later down the road, if you're, not if you're not reviewing it, you may not remember it. But it helped you then, and that's the point, that it, that it transformed and helped you then. Our minds are being renewed by God's Word, and so that was a good and positive thing, even if we can't quote the entirety of a book now. Um, since it came up, with regard to the translation thing, what are some challenges or some helps with regard to translations when it comes to memorizing God's Word? Yes. Yes, for sure. So that's one of the benefits of it. Yes. If I said which one is the easiest to memorize right now, it might be something like the ESV. Just personal observation. We did, uh, we were going through, I think Hebrews, with some other guys uh, when I was back at Inner City. And we were trying, no, it wasn't Hebrews, it was First Peter. We were trying to memorize sections of it. One guy was trying to memorize it in NASB, another was trying to memorize it in NIV, someone else was trying to memorize it in the ESV. And just in terms of the structure and the flow and all those sorts of things, there are, I think the NASB is great for Bible study and for seeing the structure of the text. But sometimes that means it's more difficult to memorize because the order of phrases or just the, the uh, so that can be a challenge. So I guess I, I mention all this to say, it is helpful to memorize God's word in a translation which you can understand. And so if you don't get the King James Version, don't feel like you have to memorize in that version. If you feel like it is hard to follow the NASB in terms of memorizing that, don't feel obligated to use that just because that's what we're typically preaching from on a Sunday. The point is not that everyone has to memorize all of these verses in the exact same translation. The point is that we are taking in God's Word and storing it up and being changed by it in the process. That, that's, that's the main and the important point. So I just wanted to
kind of a brief discussion on that because I think that that was one of the one of the challenges for me was when I was in a when I was a little kid I think most of the curriculums were written and used King James and so I started memorizing in that and then other curriculums came out that started using the NASB and some other versions and so then if you try to memorize a verse that you've already memorized in a different translation a new translation it's really easy to get them mixed up and again while we should never underestimate the importance of the specific words that are in scripture I think that it is often not the specific words but the sense of a text that God uses to, to transform us the reason that I say that is you can see how something is translated the NASB alongside the ESV alongside the NIV they are all trying to do their best to give the sense of the original manuscripts based on what we have available and preserved for us today and they may arrive at slightly different wording but the underlying truth I think is evident when you read any of them and walk away from it so don't let the many options mean that you say there's too many choices I'm not gonna pick one that's the basic thing yes. yeah not sense like I touch this, but sense like meaning, tone, you know, all those sorts of things that go into what, what, what words yeah, are doing. Right. Right. Yes. How so? Yeah. Right. And my response to that would be most of us have a smartphone and the possibility to download a Bible app. So if you say oh, we're going to have a Bible app for those, I mean, there are, because we move in Christian circles, it probably seems like there are more people who are that way than there really are. And so I would say if you have a King James Version in your Bible app, that's probably an easier way to approach that than to say I have to memorize in this to accommodate 3% of Christians or whatever the percentage is. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think some people you may find are not as aware of the differences between the translations you might think that they are. So, Because um, I've preached at King James Only Churches and used the NASB and not gotten flack about it. So. I know it's a terrible thing. No. It says here, uh, okay, so page 72, I wanted to highlight this point. Some scripture memory systems are amazingly involved. They can include boxes of memorized verses on cards, long lists of previously memorized verses for review. I appreciate and admire those who have persevered in these systems and found them life-giving and sustainable in the long run. For me, such a process would threaten to dominate, if not devour, the limited time I realistically have on a daily basis for devotions. Meditation is the non-negotiable habit of grace I want to practice every day, even if only briefly when life circumstances have crunched my time. Scripture memory is not something, at least in every season of life, that I practice daily, but I aim on a weekly basis, if not several times a week, to spend several minutes to memorize a powerful text 
I've come across in my Bible reading and want to not only meditate but memorize for my own soul for the sake of ministry to others. So the point that he's making is sometimes we feel like, um, uh, just like we were talking about application last week, if you don't walk away from a text with an application today, it's been a waste. But the application may not become clear until you finish reading the larger context of the section that you were looking at. It may not become clear until God reveals to you that passage on anger is something I really need because I just blew up at somebody. You know, those sorts of things. And so he's saying the point is not necessarily that every one of these things has to happen every single day, but that they are all happening regularly in the course of our lives. So if you are not memorizing any scripture, the goal is probably not going to be realistically to jump in and say, I'm going to memorize a different verse every single day. The goal might be, I'm going to memorize this passage this month. You know, set a realistic goal, start there, and then as you become more familiar and habituated to it, then you can, you can do some other things. Five simple tips as we wrap up. He says, first of all, diversify your picks. You can memorize whole books, whole chapters, or key sections, or even individual verses. My preference over the years has become key sections, say four to seven verses, like Titus 3, 1 to 7, that I come across. To enjoy more of its goodness, I need to put it to memory. And then he gives some other examples of helpful texts, Colossians 1, 15 to 20, John 1, 1 to 14, Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. As you read, particularly through the epistles, you will see uh, specific sections that stand out. Not that any part of the Bible is unimportant, but there are certain portions of the Bible that are stirring and transforming and, and, and very practical to keep in mind. Um, he doesn't say anything about memorizing narrative sections of Scripture, but uh, just to use an illustration from the passage that we looked at last week, it says, but Noah found favor with God. That might be a helpful verse to set to memory especially when you set it alongside, here's all this wickedness in the world, because it reminds us of a variety of things that are helpful for us to keep in mind. God's patience and work in spite of sin, our sinfulness, the fact that, that we can be pleasing to God even when everyone else around us is not. There's many different things that you could meditate on from that one verse, but it's helpful to set it in its context. Secondly, take it with you during the day. Write the passage down or make it prominent and easily accessible. Don't just do it in one slot of the day, but unleash it into all of life. Play an audio recording in the car. Look at a piece of paper while standing in line. Put a text on your home screen so you see it when you look at your smartphone. There's lots of different options that we can do. The point is, it's something that we probably need to work out throughout the course of the day. And to build on what we looked at last week about this idea of um, you know, redeeming little moments, creating space and redeeming spare time or minding your mindless moments. We stand in line. We're going up and down in an elevator. Some of those times, we need to be having conversations with people. Some of those times, pull out whatever it is that you have, your scripture passage that you're trying to me memorize and meditate on, and take a quick look at it. And uh, he says that will help you. Thirdly, seek to understand, feel, and apply the text as you memorize. That's where uh, the thing that Bob quoted, learning the text by heart is secondary 
taking the text to heart is primary. If I memorize the verse and it doesn't affect my life, I might as well not have memorized the verse. So memorize it with the goal that it would affect your thinking, your desires, your actions. Fourthly, turn the text into prayer. And this ties in with some of the things we were looking at last year from uh, Don Whitney's book on praying the Bible, that there's this idea that we have the text of Scripture and that that serves as an effective and a useful springboard for talking to God. What better things to speak to God than the things that He has said to us and the things that, for example, Paul prayed for different churches, help me with this thing. Paul said, Lord, help them with that thing. We can pray, Lord, I need help with that too. And we use Scripture as a, an occasion for prayer. And then fifthly, memorize in light of the Gospel. It says, memorizing Scripture in and of itself isn't necessarily Christian. Jesus spoke with Jewish leaders who knew more of the Old Testament than we ever will and said to them, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. He also talked to the Jews and talked about the fact that their, their minds were hardened. But whether we're, He says, whether we're memorizing texts from the Old Testament or the New, this is our need again and again to turn to the Lord. And so if we are not doing that in our task, then sometimes the task has become more about us than it has about God and His work in us. And we need to reevaluate how we're coming at it, why we're doing it, and what would be more pleasing to God in our approach. All right, any closing thoughts, questions, further things to discuss? Sorry, I don't know who raised your hand for. Okay, good. Okay. Sure. Okay, so you can download an app on your computer or on your phone, tablet. What else? Jonathan, you're saying something? Uh, just a quick update on the plan for the next few weeks. The teens are going to go back downstairs and start working through a book together. We're going to start taking a look at the idea of church covenants for the next six weeks or so uh, with the goal of looking at our present church covenant and talking through things that are helpful, that are unhelpful, that could be more concise. My goal would be, as it stands right now, I think our church covenant is five paragraphs. And um, just for my information, not to make anybody feel guilty, how many of you have read it in the last six months, the church covenant? All right, because I said something to you. <laughs> so, good job. No. Uh, 
So my goal is to move our church covenant away from being something that's a historical document that is only part of the initial when we join the church and move it into something that I had originally talked about trying to do this with a statement of faith, but I think it's too long to really do this with. I think the church covenant, though, we can get into a form that's something that we could say together at the Lord's table, maybe not every t month, maybe every other month, something where we are reminding ourselves of the commitments that we have made. When it comes to something like marriage, sometimes I think we fail to keep the vows that we have made when we don't think about what they were. And in the same way, if we say, here's a covenant, here's a commitment, here's something really important we've said we're going to do, but we don't remember what it says, how can we, how can we fulfill that? So we're going to work into the church covenant. Then we'll come back to this book and go to the middle section where it talks about prayer. So the three habits of grace he talks about are hearing the word, speaking the word to God, and then gathering with God's people. And so those three, word, prayer, and fellowship, we're going to look at in turn. So we'll look at church covenant things for six weeks. Come back and look at prayer from this book. Then we'll look at some things related to church membership, church discipline, uh, as sort of laying the groundwork for thinking through some things in the bylaws that might need to be adjusted with regard to how we do church discipline, not with the goal that we make it really easy to kick people out of the church. That's not the goal. The goal is rather that we understand the seriousness of the commitment to the church and that we are um, sort of holding each other accountable in a more, more consistent and purposeful way so that we're not getting to those points where we sadly have to take someone out of membership, but so that if we do, the whole process is more clearly defined. Because as it stands right now, it's, it's a little bit... Um, it's a little bit fuzzy. It's sort of like, as long as you show up so many times a year, you're a member in good standing, when the reality is our connection to the church should be a little bit more significant than that. So those are some of the things we'll be looking at over the coming months. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would help us to not just see your word, walk away from it, and not be changed by it, but as James says, we would see it that it would shape us and transform who we are. We pray this uh, this morning and the rest of this week. pray that you bless the service here in a few minutes. In Christ's name, amen.